We're going to begin with Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. He says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I want to focus on just the last part of that. It's all important, but I want you to see that the end game here is that we run the race with endurance, that we keep going to the end. We don't let any sin, any, any uh, hindrance in our life keep us from that, but we keep going to the end and run the race. That race is the call, the purpose of God the will of God in your life that you need to complete. Here's the thing. So many start off running their race, but then at some point they just drop out. Now that's true just of many Christians in general, but it is especially true when it comes to leading. They start off many times with passion. You know, they're determined and they're sincere, but somewhere along the way they get burned out. I mean, for some, it happens just in a short time. For some, it happens a few years down the road. And I've seen Christians that burned out after being involved in ministry and leading for 20 years. And I, I have to tell you that this is so true of pastors. The, the tenure of pastor, pa, uh, for pastors or the time that pastors spend in full-time ministry has just declined and declined and declined over the years until there's only a small percentage that actually retire as a minister. And it's, it's true for pastors, it's true for teachers, it's true for evangelists, it's true for missionaries, and it's certainly true for those that serve in the church as, as lay people. And, and, you know, they're involved in the work of the Lord. And yet so many, at some point, they get burned out. They don't endure. They're not still doing what they were supposed to be doing. And so tonight I'm going to talk to you about how to avoid burnout. Oh, now listen, some of us, we're like, yeah, because we're right there. We know we get, we get to that point where we just feel burned out. Well, I want to tell you, there's, there's a way that we can avoid burnout. You know, that time comes when you just say, I can't go anymore. I want to remind you first, Jesus made it clear that we're blessed when he comes again, if he finds his servant so doing. We got to work till he comes. You know, a lot of people say you're going to work till you drop, but no, we're going to work till he comes. We're not going to drop. We're going to keep on. But that's what happens to a lot of people is they get to a place where they're pressing on and pressing on and just keep trying and trying until they, they come up empty. They don't have anything left. And that's when they drop out. If you can be a leader, I mean, if, if every believer can be a leader, why aren't there more leaders? 
I'm going to tell you the biggest reason. Because they're sitting on the sidelines. They got tired. They got burnt out. Now the list is long of the reasons, and I'm being kind here. Because, you know, when it's us, it's a reason. When it's somebody else, it's an excuse, right? There's, the list is long for why people don't lead. But the bottom line is, is at some point, they got to that place for a lot of different reasons, but where they just couldn't go on. They're sitting on the sidelines. Here's the thing. Whatever the reason, it won't be worth mentioning on that day when we stand before our Lord. None of us will want to offer him any reason. If we're going to endure, we got to persevere, work till he comes, and avoid burnout. By the way, Webster's Dictionary says burnout is the condition of someone who has become very physically and emotionally tired after doing a difficult job for a long time. Well, I would say that's true in ministry sometimes, but it doesn't describe it all. There's a lot more to it than that. But we have to keep ourselves in a place spiritually and mentally and emotionally that we're ready to serve others, ready to lead spiritually. So how can we avoid burnout? How can we last in leadership? Number one, turn down the volume. Really? Yes. Turn down the volume. 1 Thessalonians 4.11, that you aspire to lead a quiet life. How many of you, by a show of hands, have been aspiring to lead a quiet life? Oh, about five or six. That's great. Seven or eight. Some of you, you're kind of like, meh. Yeah, you're not trying very hard. <laughs> no, it's not something that most of us would ever think to aspire to. In fact, in the NIV, it says it this way. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. I, re I read that, I'm just thinking, ambition? That isn't ambition, leading a quiet life. No, ambition is where you get out there and you go for it and you're, you know, giving it all you got, trying to, you know, your ambition What's your ambition? You know, can you imagine being on TV? Somebody's on TV, you know. What's your ambition, you know? Well, I want to lead a quiet life. <laughs> wow. Now, here's the thing. The Bible actually tells us this. And, and, you know, I'm pulling a phrase out here, but if you want to read the whole chapter in context, it still won't go away. It's still there, just the same, this principle that we should have this ambition to lead a quiet life. Now, most of us, we need to realize right here at the beginning of this message that if we're going to be a doer of the word, we're going to have to make some changes here. So we need to have this ambition, aspire to lead a quiet life. Most of, most of us, you know, we get caught up in this culture we live in that the attitude of the culture is this opposite of that. It's how big a splash can we make? You know, but there's a reason that the scripture tells us to aspire to lead a quiet life. It's, you know, most of us, we get caught up in the rat race just like everybody else, only we do it in the name of Jesus, 
right? I mean, instead of running the race he has for us, we end up trying to add serving Jesus to our rat race. Okay. King James Version puts it this way, by the way, and that ye study to be quiet. To just put it in simple terms, learn to be quiet. Learn to be quiet. There's a time to be loud. Amen. But we need to learn to be quiet. And most people don't have a clue about how to be quiet, especially in our society today with all our electronics, the TV, the internet, and the radio, and iPod and iPad. I mean, it's just nonstop. Most of us, it's not quiet when we're driving, when we got noise going. We, just, we live with all of this noise around us all the time. Now, and imagine this. Can you imagine if we didn't have any of that stuff? And when this scripture was written, they didn't have any of that stuff. And yet, he's telling them, learn to be quiet. There's something here. I'm telling you, if you're going to avoid burnout, you need to turn down the volume. You need to turn down all of that noise. You need to get away from it. You know, it's something in our society I think you're going to have to be very intentional about with all this modern media. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but most of us, I mean, we just live in surround sound. Ooh, this is cool stereo. It's got surround sound. Well, most of us, we're just surrounded by sound almost all the time. Voices coming at us. In fact, some people are so used to it, they get kind of uneasy, unsettled if, you know, there's not noise. You know, they come in the house, they got to turn the TV on. They get in the car, they got to have the radio on. They can't... They don't want it quiet. They got to have that noise. Could just It's just what they're so used to. And I'm telling you that we need to turn down the volume. They don't, nobody in our culture says, turn down the volume. You know what they say? Pump up the volume. And I got to tell you, I like it loud. My kids tell me, hey, that's too loud, Dad. Turn it down. Come on. They, you know, some, they, they talk about this generation, how wild they are. Anybody from, grew up in the 60s and 70s? Yeah, anyway. There's so much noise in life, though, and so many voices coming at us all the time. It makes it difficult for us to hear what we really need to hear. See, a little less noise helps us think. That's true. It's really true. It's hard to meditate when you got a lot of noise going on. A little less noise helps us refresh and relax. You know, we say so we can have a moment's peace. Well, turn down the volume. A little less noise helps us hear the Lord. You know, most of us just suffer from input overload. And if you're going to last in leadership, you got to learn to turn down the volume and tune out a whole lot of noise. All that noise, it just kind of takes a toll on your soul. Think about this. They use loud, constant noise as a form of torture. And yet a lot of people just surround themselves with noise. It might not be torture, but I'm telling you, it's taken a toll on you over time. 
Lawyers sometimes use this tactic they call whiting out. You know, they, this was especially big, you know, when they had boxes and boxes of paper files. So they have to, you know, give discovery or whatever to the other side. And so when they're ordered to do that, sometimes they, instead of just giving them the, the documents they needed, they send them dozens and dozens of boxes of all kinds of stuff that they don't need but what, they, what is pertinent is just in there somewhere, but it's super hard for them to find it. And you see, that's the way it is for us when we, we just get whited out. We've got so much coming at us, it's hard for us to find what's really pertinent, what we really need to be hearing. So I know it may sound funny to say turn down the volume, but I'm just telling you we need to turn down the volume and get have some quiet, you know, um, we need to have that skill of selective hearing. Now, we, we laugh about that and talk about selective hearing, how they, like our kids don't hear what they don't want to hear. They only hear what they want to. But see, we need a little selective hearing where we just shut out a lot of the noises so we can hear what's really important. Jesus is such a good example of this. You know, there's times that he just didn't react to the voices. Instead, he said what the Father gave him to say. If you read, you know, if you read in the scripture in the gospels of some of his conversations where people would say something, and sometimes he would respond to their questions or what they said, but other times he just went in a totally different direction. Because he wasn't just interacting with them this way. He's interacting with his father. You see, we get so caught up in all of the voices around us that a lot of us really struggle to hear God. And a lot of that has to do with all of the noise. But Jesus did what his father told him to do, not what all the voices told him to do. Here's a good example of that, Mark 1, 32 through 38 at evening when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick, and those who were demon-possessed. The whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out demons. He didn't allow the demons to speak because they knew him. So he's, he just finished healing a lot of people and casting out demons. And verse 35, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. And Simon... And those with him who searched for him, and when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Everybody's looking for you. There's so many needs. You got to come back. See, Jesus was determined to have time alone to shut out all the voices and be alone with his father. His fame, or his importance. Listen, even the needs could not drive him back. Some of us, you know, especially when we're in leadership, we start thinking we're so important. 
we need to remember what's really important is that we have time with our Father. As I want to tell you, without the Lord, our efforts are futile. We, we can't get it done. We need to know that. we got to have time with Him. But we can't just react to the voices. No, we obey our Father's voice. Verse 38, But He said to them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. See, this was a man, Jesus. He, he didn't just listen to the voices. He's doing what his father tells him. And you know, I'm certain that Jesus heard the voice of the father all the time as he was ministering to people. And I know that I hear the Lord speak to me about things sometimes when I'm not in a, solid, a place of solitude and prayer. But the truth is, is if we don't turn down the volume and have some quiet times, then we're going to struggle to hear him in the busy times and the noise of life. I know he can speak to us in the midst of busy, but it's in the quietness is where we usually learn to hear him, and then we can hear him in the crowd. But, you know, anybody that's ever gone on a retreat or to a camp of some kind, they've experienced this. And I talked about this sometimes about kids' camp and youth camp, but it's true with adult retreats and things as well. You know, you go and you have these special services, and that's really great. And, you know, but part of the life-changing effect that happens that makes it so supernatural, it's not just the special service. It's the fact that we're away from distractions. It's the fact that we're away from some of the noise of our life. I mean, it's, it's a pretty quiet thing when you go out to a, a retreat place, you know, like our, our young people do or like to their camp. And, you know, they're out there at, at this uh, place in the woods on the lake and they walk out with their Bible and there's no noise. There's nothing. It's them and the trees. And all of a sudden, some of them hear from God for the first time in their whole life. What happened? Turn down the volume. There's always going to be things around us that we need to hear, needs that we need to respond to. But I'm telling you, you've got to learn to turn down the volume. It's a skill, learning to be quiet. Next, slow down. Slow down. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Be still. He doesn't say be still and stop serving. Some people think that slow down means to quit serving. You know, not doing anything for God anymore. Not, you know, I used to do work with children. I don't do that anymore. I'm not, not going to be an usher anymore. I know I said I'd do this, but, you know, i got to cut back. That's not slowing down. That's called burnout. And don't take that as being judgmental. Listen, if, if you're there, I mean, I, I know some of you are because it's epidemic. That's why we need this message so much. But I just want you to realize that's not what we're talking about when it says be still. That Be still and know that I'm God doesn't mean that you sit and don't do what you're supposed to do. No, this is how you avoid that happening in your life is that you have that time where you get alone with God and you slow down. Slow down. That's part of the problem with burnout. And this is especially true for leaders is that 
you know, when you're a leader, you, you, you know, you want to be a go-getter. You want to get it done. I mean, you just, you know, you have this passion and this drive, but, and, and that's a wonderful thing. But at the same time, we have to realize that it's important sometimes to slow down. I know there are lazy people, and plenty of that in our culture. But you see, leaders oftentimes burn out because they become so consumed with busyness. The greater the speed, the heavier things are. Do you know even little things seem heavy when you're going really fast? Have you ever gotten to the place where little things bothered you? Listen, some of you moms and dads, you know, even little things just kind of pushed you over the limit sometimes. Just little things. How, what happened? Because you're going so fast. So much going on, is going on that even the little things become heavy to you. Listen to this. When Dale Earnhardt died, they studied what actually caused his death. Um, they said that the average head weighs 20 pounds, but at the speed that he was going, his head would have it made it like his head weighed 50 pounds. And so when he had the wreck, the, at that time, the cars didn't have restraints for their head. And so that's what actually killed him. That speed makes a lot of difference. You know what? It's that way in our life. When we're just going and going and going, then even little things just become heavy. We think being the leader means you got to be the fastest we fall into that trap faster and faster. Did you know Jesus didn't operate that way? I, I don't really see any time in Scripture where Jesus was doing something fast. I mean, I see times where they said, hey, your friend Lazarus is sick, and he waits three days. I don't ever see him in a hurry. But we're always in a hurry, it seems like. It's part of our culture. But if you want to avoid burnout, you got to slow down. Learn to be still sometimes. Next, declutter your life. Some of you think, this don't sound very spiritual. It is. It really is. Declutter your life. Most of us have so many irons in the fire, we don't know if we're coming or going. We're burning the candle at both ends. We're running ragged. Why do we have all these phrases like this? Because it's so epidemic. Got to declutter. It seems to just kind of be our, na- our nature, and I think especially leaders sometimes. Again, sometimes because you're the leader. You know, you, you, you want to do too many things. Too many things going on. And this, is, this happens to really spiritual people. Are you listening to me, Carmen? <laughs> that ain't right. I'm sorry. You can end up being the jack of all trades and good at none. You can't be good at everything. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, do it heartily 
as to the Lord and not to men. You can't do everything with excellence. And whatever you do, you're supposed to do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Here's the fastest way to burn out. Try to do everything. I'm going to kind of wade into a mess here, but I'm going to do it anyway. So I want to tell you as a pastor, I don't try to do everything that everybody thinks I should do. I kill myself. I try to do what I feel like the Lord wants me to do. And sometimes I don't make everybody happy. I can't. That's not my job. (laughs) Okay. Thank you for those. That's right. I appreciate that so much. But I'm saying that because I want you to understand. You see, I know some of you, you have demands on you and you you try to do all these things. Sometimes you got to decide what's really important. What do I really need to do? You can't do everything. We get so divided, we can't focus. James 1.8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Double-minded. We don't need unstable leadership. We need focus. And if you're not careful, your life just becomes about one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. And every time you add something, here's the thing, you got to discard something. I mean, if you've already got a busy life, you're not adding something without getting rid of something. See, I had to learn this about clothes. I kept clothes for 20 years. I think the only thing I have that's that old now, and some of them are 40s, some boots, and they're not going to go. Just saying. But I figured out... You know, we just have to keep buying a bigger and bigger house unless I'd get rid of some clothes. So I'm learning. And, you know, we also do this with um, worship songs. People will get really upset. You don't sing my favorite song anymore. Yeah, we had to stop doing that one. Why? It's really great. Because if we don't let some go, we can't ever do new ones. I mean, we can't have 250 songs that we do because let me tell you, there's no way we can do 250 songs with excellence. And so we got to declutter. We have to let... And man, it's hard sometimes because they were good. But we want to do some new ones too. And I'm, I'm just giving you some simple illustration that in your life, sometimes it's hard to let go of some things, but you need to decide... What's really important, and here's, here's a, a thing, okay? What if God wants you to do something that you're not currently doing? You know what a lot of people say? <laughs> Sorry, I'm busy, God. He can't be talking to me because I got all I can handle. You need to declutter. If you don't have room in your life for God to ask you to do something, Everybody's got 24 hours in a day. If you're going to add something, something else is going to have to go. And, you know, for some of us, it might just be, hey, I'm going to have to watch a little less TV, you know. But if you're really, really busy, you're going to have to discard something. And it's not even just about time. It's also about energy, effort, attention, 
Because you've only got so much of all of those. And so sometimes you got to declutter so that you have a little bit of margin in your life. You know, and it, 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 if you're just trying to do everything, I'm telling you, it will burn you out. Next, decompress regularly. Mark 2, 27, he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. The Sabbath was created so that we could have rest. It helps us to be healthy, not just physically, but in our soul. It helps us to be healthy. And if you're super involved in ministry on Sunday, well, you may need to have another day where you have a day of rest, but you need a day of rest. Because I want to tell you, this is part of why so many people are stressed out until they burn out, is they don't have a day of rest. A lot of times leaders have... And, you know, when I say leaders, this can be in lots of different avenues, but leaders take more stress and more emotion because those that, when those that they lead are going through things, they feel it in a sense too. You know, they weep with those who weep. And, and I just want you to understand that if, you know, if you're in leadership, you need to, you need to know that you got to have some rest to recover from a lot of those kinds of things. You know, Physical injuries take time to recover from, but things in your soul can take even longer sometimes. So you got to have time to decompress. Our example, as always, is Jesus. Another one of those, Luke 5.15, he says, However, the report went out or went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. He got away. Now, those that are tougher than Jesus, you don't have to decompress. But the rest of us, we do. There are some things that only Jesus can fix. I'm, I'm talking about in us. And that's why it's so important that we get along with the Lord. Um, and I'm just going to throw this in here for some of you. It took me a long, long, long time to learn this, but I had to learn to decompress on vacation. Um, you know, for many, many, many years, we did ski trips and stuff with the youth and all that kind of thing, but we were always busy and going and going. But as a pastor, I just had to learn to decompress. So one time, somebody paid for us to go on a cruise with them. Otherwise, I would never have gone on one. Didn't appeal to me. But we went on this cruise, and I learned something. I learned how to do nothing. I'm telling you, it was a new thing for me. No cell phone, no computer, no internet. I ain't paying for internet on a cruise ship. That's crazy. Just saying. It was quiet. We turned the volume down. And we just do nothing. A whole lot of nothing. I mean, the first few cruises we did, we, we, we did excursions and stuff. That stuff's expensive. But anyway, you know, we would do a few of those kinds of things, and, and, and we still might do a little something here and there. But sometimes we go into a port, and especially if it's one we've been to before, we don't even get off the boat. 
We like the boat when everybody else is off. It's really quiet. And there's nothing to do. And we do that. And we decompress. And I know it sounds crazy to you, but I'm just telling you, you need to decompress somehow. You know, I realized back when we were really young, really, we used to, we used to go to my grandmother's for a couple of days and it was a place that we could de- decompress. But I'm, I just realized in my years now, I realize how vital it is that we have those times. And here's the thing, all of us need that. Next, take time to recharge. This will be the last one. All right, some of you think this hasn't been very spiritual. It is, but I know you'll think it is now, all right? So how do you recharge? Well, first of all, God's Word. James 1.21 says, Lay aside all the filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted Word which is able to save your souls. A lot of people get really mixed up about this because they think save your souls has to do with winning the lost. No, that is not what it's talking about at all. This book is written to brethren and it's talking about your soul your mind will and emotion and save doesn't mean you're going to heaven save means to deliver to set free to make whole to heal and you see the the word of God can do that to your soul let's read through this quickly it's I'm going to read it from the NIV it's Psalm 19 7 through 10, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold, they are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. Here's the thing. A lot of preachers burn out, even though they preach the word, because they just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. I'm telling you, you need to realize that sometimes we need to go to the word just to allow it to refresh us, to restore us, to revive us, to enlighten our eyes, to bring the joy back, amen, just to recharge us, to recharge. We just have to have time just waiting, just waiting. I'm not very patient. Okay, I'm not patient at all. Now, if you're talking about patient, like persevere, I get that part. But if you're talking about the way we use the word now, patient, as in waiting, not my strong suit. I don't like to wait at all. I mean, if you go to a nice restaurant and the wait is 20 minutes, I'd rather eat at McDonald's if I can walk up and get it now. I don't don't do good with waiting. But if you're going to, if you're going to, actually do this where you recharge you got to wait here's what the word says Isaiah 40 29 through 31 he gives power to the weak to those who have no might he increases strength 
Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They will not burn out. I'm not reading that into that. I'm telling you. It's telling you straight up. You're going to run and not be weary. You're going to walk and not faint. You're not going to quit. You're not going to give up. You're not going to burn out. How's that happen? You wait on the Lord. Now, I know a lot of the, you know, definitions that people give to that word wait and talk about serving or worship or, you know, and the NIV calls it hope in the Lord. But I'm telling you, the connotation here has a lot to do with wait. That you're waiting on the Lord. You're just being in His presence. And I'm telling you, God restores, He recharges, He's the one that gives us that, what we need inside, that strength on the inside to keep going, keep leading, keep serving. Acts 3.19, it says to repent. Some of us need to make some changes. That's what repent means. Change your mind, change what you're doing. Some of us need to make some changes. Repent. It says, so we can be forgiven our sins in times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. I'm telling you, we don't have to burn out. We don't have to. There's a way that we can avoid burnout. I just want you to stand with me. We're going to pray.